Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Abgenommen, bedauert. The Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective. The people who make 76 gasoline and Triton Motor Oil, Union Oil Company, present... The Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective, starring Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis. Anything can happen in San Francisco, well, almost anything, and when it happens, you usually find Michael Shane, Private Detective, somewhere around. That's why Mike and Phyllis Knight, his observant and easy-on-the-eye assistant, are locking the office at 9 a.m. and heading for the nearest corner to join Inspector Faraday on what the inspector describes as a wild goose chase, or as Phyllis more aptly puts it, a junket on office time. It say, it seems there are pirates in San Francisco Bay. Oh, it's spring, Angel, wonderful day, and... I've always wanted to go aboard a yacht. Yacht, my eye. It's probably phony, too. Hmm? What about our clients? You haven't cleaned up on that insurance. Oh, let them wait. Let him wait. Haven't... Sixteen men on a dead men's chest, Joe Ho, and a bottle of rum. Oh. Here's the other one. Oh, you've been going to too many pirate pictures. Pirates in San Francisco Bay. Do you suppose they're related to the Indians at Stanford? What are you muttering about? I always mutter when some publicity-seeking chorus girl lets herself be found drugged in her pajamas, wrapped in a blanket in the bottom of a canoe. She's no chorus girl, honey. She's the wife of a college professor. But when she says pirates boarded a yacht, killed her husband, and kidnapped her, well, now, really, Yeah, yes, mind, I know, I know. You just... don't believe it. Well, I'm the open-minded type, darling. Certainly Here's where we get off. Oh, smell that air. As I said before, honey, it's spring. Mm -hmm. And in the spring, the sap rises. Over here, folks. Oh, hi, Inspector. Hello, Inspector. Climb in. Here, darling. Thank you. Sausalito, first stop. Oh, what a day for a motorboat ride. (laughs) Why, Inspector, you're actually glowering. What's happened? Lenny, I think I got my finger on the guy at the bottom of this deal. A movie press agent by the name of Jim Fonda. Remember that guy pulling his Hollywood shenanigans in my town. Why, Inspector? No pirates. Oh, plenty of them, Phil. Too many of them. A whole brickful. There's 200 of them. What? You've already got 200 pirates in jail? Holy smoke. A brigantine is a pirate vessel, Mike. Huh? <laughs> right, Inspector? Right, Phil. Uh-huh. They might as well be in jail. For well, that anchor doesn't budge until I give the word. Lafitte's men, I suppose, from around the hall. No, no, nothing so romantic, my dear. They're Captain Kidd's men from Central Casting in Hollywood. <laughs> There's a movie company aboard the ship, and they're getting ready to sail down the coast on location when I climb down. Oh, aren't you a bit rough on them, Inspector? After all, press agents have to have their fun. But you know something I don't know. No, not a thing, Mike. I guess I lost my sense of humor. 
Hollywood had its laugh this morning. Now I'm going to have mine. Huh? <laughs> you know, they have to pay those pirates every day, you know. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Investigations, questions, delays. <laughs> well, where do we go first? The pirate ship or the yacht? The yacht. Maybe Professor Porter will be there himself, if he isn't still playing dead. Um, where's the wife? She'll be there, too. And so will Jim Fonda, or I'll fire every detective on my staff. Well, that might not be a bad idea. Save the sarcasm, Mike. That's only fool. Well, there's the yacht. Oh, that's beautiful. Wow. There's nothing phony about this baby. She's big enough to go to sea. Yeah, but she hasn't been away from that dock site since the professor bought it. This doesn't look like a college professor's layout. A nice, tidy little investment there. Yeah, teaching's a sideline with Professor Porter. They tell me he's got oil wells working for him. If that's Annabelle, his wife, coming out to welcome us, they better be gushers. She looks very expensive. Inspector Faraday? Yes. Oh, and uh, this is Michael Shane and Phyllis Knight, Mrs. Porter. How do you do? Good morning. How do you do? Uh, uh, please come into the lounge. Thank you. I'm a courteous man, Mrs. Porter, but I haven't time for courtesy this morning. I can't understand why an apparently sane woman would expect us to believe such a story. Do you mind if we stroll around, Mrs. Porter? I've never been on a yacht before. Yes, certainly. And now, Inspector, will you please explain why you got Big-hearted Mike. He just can't bear to hear a beautiful redhead bald out, so he takes the powder. Oh, look, Angel, this doesn't add up. You don't plot publicity gags in a playhouse like this one. Huh? You've seen something, Mike. Or maybe it was just one look at the redhead. Hmm. I guess this is the master's stateroom. Two beds. What are you doing? The one bed layout's in the guest cabin. Mike, what did you see? Huh? Oh, yes, Mrs. Porter. She uh, used to be Annabelle Armstrong in the movies. So what? Hey, now it's my turn. Hmm? I spy something beginning with the letter P. Give you one guess. Phil's in the blue bottle by the bed. Oh, <laughs> think I'll have a look. Mike, this entire bottle wouldn't put a child to sleep. Let me see it, honey. Oh, it doesn't spell anything backwards. <laughs> It spells something for me. These pills prove Annabelle went canoe riding with her eyes open. Mm-hmm. Ow! What did you expect to find in the closet, pirates? Oh, that bag that hit my foot felt like it was packed. Hey, it is. And so is this one. Mm-hmm. Everything for a nice long trip. You know, I could take a honeymoon with this bag. <laughs> Say, the professor's a snappy dresser. Oh, Just fine. look at this sport coat. Come on, Mike. Let's quit playing house. I want to watch Annabelle act. Okay. I might have known how it would turn out when I brought you along, Mike. Why, what's up, Inspector? It's murder, my boy. While we're playing houseboat. So her story stood up. I'm buying it up to here. Well, I haven't heard it, but I think I'll shop around. Well, fond is the guy, all right. I just telephoned a general alarm. Ought to pick him up any minute. You telephoned? Yeah, there's a phone. The yacht's permanently tied up to the pier. I also sent for Porter's secretary. He may have some information. Inspector, do you mind bringing us up to date? We've been sightseeing. Well, Mike, here's the story. Jim Fonder is Porter's nephew. Yeah. Sort of a family black sheep. He's been causing trouble. Everything from forgery to some sort of blackmail. Uh Uh-huh. Well, it seems Fonder headed for the professor's home as soon as he hit town. The professor's secretary sent him to the yacht. That'd be yesterday afternoon. There was a row. Porter threatened to send Fonder to jail and shoved him off the boat. Yeah. Fonder yelled he'd be back and told Porter he'd better have it ready. Mrs. Porter thinks he meant a sum of money. Maybe the Secretary Taylor can clear that point. Uh-huh, but uh, where did the pirates come in? Well, I'm coming to that. I'll tell you, Mike. After Fonda left, Mrs. Porter developed a headache. That night she couldn't sleep. The professor went into the lounge to read, and uh, Mrs. Porter took two sleeping pills. Uh, three, my dear. Mrs. Porter took three sleeping pills. Uh, later, she was aroused by loud voices, and then... And then a big, burly pirate with a red beard leaned over the bunk. I believe his beard was black this night. Oh, yes. 
the light was on. No, the cabin was dark. This man, dressed like a pirate, seized me, threw a blanket over me, and carried me to the canoe. It was one we kept tied to the yacht. There was a body wrapped in a blanket on the bottom. He paddled for several minutes and then put the body overside. Maybe you'd better ask the questions, Mike. Well, you're doing fine, Angel. Thanks. Uh, Mrs. Porter, the uh, cabin was dark. There was no moon. How did you know the man was dressed like a pirate? He struck several matches. Oh? Yes, he was smoking a pipe. I see. And uh, why are you so sure that this man dressed as a pirate was Jim Fonda? I knew Jim. He was the publicity man on one of my pictures. Oh, maybe I should explain. Uh, I'm Annabelle Armstrong. Oh, not at all. I recognized Annabelle Armstrong the moment I came aboard. Thank you. Well, Jim Fonda had two peculiarities. His eyebrows were highly arched, and his left eye twitched. Hmm? I recognized him despite his disguise the first time he lighted a match. Did uh, he know you had recognized him? I'm not sure. He might have worn the pirate costume as a prank. Jim had an odd sense of humor. I believe he intended taking me with him. He tried to arouse me when he landed the canoe. I was too heavy to carry far. Those sleeping tablets must have been pretty powerful. It's a shame. Those tablets are a mild, harmless sort. I was wide awake. Then from fright at first, and then I acted. Don't forget, I used to be an actress. Why did you stay in the canoe after he left you? Well, I yelled my head off and nobody came. It was dark and... Well, I, I was afraid I'd fall into the water. I, I can't swim. Well, that's sensible. Do you uh, think you could locate the spot where your husband's body was dropped into the water? I pointed out the spot when the police brought me to the yacht this morning. That's right, Mike. We've had men grappling for the body all morning. There's no current and the water is quiet, so we ought to bring it up. Well, that's the police launch. That ties it up. Bring it in, boy. Well, you satisfied now, Angel? No, I am not, and neither are you. Mm-hmm. Say, I guess that'd be Mr. Taylor with the briefcase over there coming down the pier. Huh? Oh, yes, the secretary. Dark and handsome. Huh? And not too tall. <laughs> In just a moment, we'll rejoin Mike Shane and Phyllis Knight in their adventures. Probably no other possession you may have requires the attention and constant care that your automobile does. The hundreds of bearings and precision gears in a car need continual protection against rust, friction, heat, and abrasion. That is why regular stopwear lubrication is so vital to the condition of your car. You see, stopware lubrication is more than just a grease job. It's a system that's been worked out from years of experience to give your automobile the best possible care. When you leave your car at a Union Oil Minuteman station for stopware lubrication, you can be sure that nothing on your automobile will be overlooked or hurriedly serviced. Each fitting is carefully and thoroughly lubricated according to the manufacturer's specifications. While your car is on the hoist, the Minutemen inspect out-of-sight points and check them for danger signs. Finally, as complete proof of Stopware's reliable lubrication, you receive a thousand-mile written guarantee with each job. You'll find your car rolls smoother, handles easier, stands up better with regular Stopware lubrication. Stopware guaranteed lubrication is available only at Union Oil Minuteman stations. (laughs) 
Professor Porter's body has been recovered from the bay, and Inspector Faraday is hurrying to meet the launch at the end of the pier. Mike and Phyllis are following, but Phyllis is reluctant to leave Mrs. Porter and the professor's secretary, Bill Taylor, together in the lounge of the yacht. Come on, hurry, honey. They'll be here in a minute. You're getting awfully careless, Mike. I know what I'm doing. I wonder. Oh, cut it out, Angel, please. Oh, Mike, get tough. Be yourself. Why, what do you mean? Well, don't let a good-looking redhead blind you. So far, she's got all the answers, Angel. Good answers. All of them. All right, take it easy now. Okay, bring it over here. Hey, give me a hand. This is heavy. Okay, Sergeant, cut the ropes. Right. Hey, what are all those lumps? Some sort of weights. Made a sack out of the blanket. Open it up, men. Okay, here we are. Holy jumping catfish. Well, I'll be... I knew they were heavy reading, but I never thought of them as weights. Well, the professor went down wrapped in culture, the Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah. One, two, three, four, twelve volumes. Mm Mm-hmm. From A to J. Mike, look over by the inspector. Mrs. Porter and Bill Taylor. Of course, darling, they've got to identify the body. Look out, she's fading. Take her back to the yacht, men. Yes, I've got to see Annabelle in a swoon. You better go with the ranger, not hurry. Okay. Doc says, can you have the body now? Okay, take it to the morgue. What about all them books? You know what to do with evidence. The blank and everything go to headquarters. Right. Inspector. Yes. See any marks on the body? Not a scratch. Hey, where's Porter's secretary? Right here, Inspector. Bill Taylor. Does Jim Ponder strike you as the sort of fellow who'd pull a job like this? Well, I wouldn't like to accuse anyone of a thing like this. How long have you known him? About a year. Ever since I've been with Professor Porter. Oh. Uh, shall we return to the yacht? I'm afraid Mrs. Porter's ill. We can talk here. Miss Knight will look after her. Oh, uh, this is my friend, Mr. Shane. Oh, how do you do, Mr. Shane? Fine. Well, looks like Fonda put his trademark on this one. I don't know. I only wish I'd never sent him to the yacht. Hmm? Uh, when was this? Sunday. Uh, yesterday afternoon. Well, uh, why did you send him? Well, I never dreamed it. Well, he was insistent. Did uh, Porter tell you to keep Fonda away from him? Well, this is embarrassing, Mr. Shane. (laughs) Murder usually is, Mr. Taylor. Come on, let's have the story. Well, uh, Professor Porter disliked seeing his nephew. Why? Was he afraid of him? No, not exactly afraid. It was just that... uh... Well, look, Inspector, can this be kept confidential? How can I tell you until I know what it is? Well, a good many years ago, Professor Porter was involved in a rather nasty divorce case. Well, nothing like that stand up. His past is clean. Maybe he took on a new identity, Inspector. It's been done, you know. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Professor Porter did take a new name and arranged an entirely different past. You see, Professor Porter was William Steele. Mm. Hey, wait a minute. I remember that case back on Long Island. Mm, I don't know a great deal about it, however. But uh, Fonda did, huh? And made the most of it. Well, I'm not sure, Mr. Sheen. But you see, I took care of Professor Porter's bank account, and uh, he gave his nephew large sums of money. Hmm. How much does Mrs. Porter know about this? I don't believe she knows anything about the divorce. But she knew Fonda had something on her husband? I suspect she did. She knew about the money because she spoke to me about it. Mm -hmm. How often has Fonda been tapping the professor? Almost every month. This was his second trip this month. Uh, Speaking of trips, where were you going on your vacation? My vacation? Oh. Oh, you found my bag. What's this about a bag, Mike? I found two bags fully packed in a closet. One belonged to you, Mr. Taylor, I believe. And the other one? To Mrs. Porter. Well, that's uh, that's easy to explain. You see, the professor sold the yacht, and I was moving my personal possessions. Uh, I presume that Mrs. Porter had the same thing in mind. What about Professor Porter? Well, he always put things off until the last moment. 
Meaning? Well, the moving van isn't due until tonight. All right, Mike, that explains the bags. Now, let's get back to my office. I want Fonda. And uh, I'd like to see how Mrs. Porter's feeling. All right, go ahead. The coroner's inquest hasn't been set, but I want to see you and Mrs. Porter tomorrow morning. Okay, we'll be at Mrs. Porter's home. Mike. Huh? Michael. Yes, Angel? Now I've seen everything. Hmm? How is Mrs. Porter? Oh, she's beautiful, but bereaved. She's repairing her makeup. Come on, I want to get to my office. Mike, Mike, did you ask Mr. Taylor about the bags? Yes, Angel, yes. But he knows the answer. Any messages? Hollywood's been calling every 20 minutes, Inspector. What do they want? Tell her at Apex Studios. Wants his pirates. Tell him we got a murder case to settle first. Well, says you're going to have a lawsuit, too. Claims this is costing him thousands. Why don't you turn him loose, Inspector? The guy says you better do it pronto. That boat's stuck till I get my hands on Fonda. Come on, Mike and Phyllis. Okay. Now, let's get down to business. Yeah, let's go to work. Well, it's about time. What do you mean, Phyllis? Fonda left a trail a yard wide. Too wide, Inspector. You uh, want to do me a favor, Inspector? You too? What is it? Check on that story about the sale of Porter's yacht. Yes, Mike, I had that in mind. Yes, Inspector? Is Bolton back from that pirate ship? He's waiting out, sir. Send him in. Pick up any leads, Bolton? Not a line. The guy just vanished. Oh, he can't do that. What did they tell you about Fonda? Everybody had a good word for him. He came to town ahead of the picture crowd last Friday. Oh? When was he on the boat? Yesterday. They said he seemed worried about his uncle. Hadn't been able to see him. Did uh, he tell uh, anybody why he wanted to see his uncle? No. Seems that he didn't do much talking. Does uh, Fonda smoke a pipe? Hmm? So you haven't found him, have you, Mike? No. Why? The pipe's a part of the description they gave me. Mm Mm-hmm. Left eye twitches, too. You must know the guy. No. No, just the woman he kidnapped. Well, he can't get out of town. Must be holed up somewhere. You searched the boat? Yeah. Even turned up some girl pirates. Any pirate costumes missing? Wardrobe man says they're all there. Well, how about the odd parts? Wigs, scarves? I uh... thought of that. Could be. It'd take a week to check. Okay, take a week, but check it. Okay. Hello? That Hollywood guy's on the wire. Crying. Tell him I got a murder in my hands. The boat stays here. Father's not on that boat, Inspector. His friends are. Get back to that boat. If I stay out there any longer, I'll turn pirate myself. Got any ideas, Mike? Well, I'd like to know about, uh... About that Porter yacht, Inspector. Yes? Professor sold it, all right. That satisfy you, Mike? Well, that cooks one idea, anyhow. I've got an idea, Inspector. Let's have it, Phil. Remember when lovely Annabelle was giving us Act Two? Oh, let's don't be catty, Angel. You'll be quiet. I know when you're getting ready to spring something. (laughs) I wish I knew as much. All right, all right, Smarty. Well, Mrs. Porter spoke of Jim Fonda in the past tense. A natural reaction. Probably glad to have him out of her life. Oh, you don't. Just heard from the coroner's office, Inspector. When's the inquest? Tomorrow. Funny thing. What's that? Doc says Porter's been in the water two or three days. Did you hear that, Mike? Well, that knocks the whole case into a cocked hat. But Mrs. Porter said it happened last night. Well, maybe she'll know the answer to this one. Maybe I know the answers. What? Remember when we went through the staterooms on the yacht? Yeah, yeah, you admired the beds. Uh Uh-huh. There were two in the stateroom and one in the guest cabin. Yeah, they'd all been slept in. Maybe yes, maybe no. But, but there was something missing. Hey, hey, I remember. 
The blanket. Now you're cooking. Look, this is no time for guessing games, Mike. Let him alone. Let him alone. I thought he never would wake up. One blanket to wrap the professor in. One for his wife for a canoe ride. That makes two blankets. Where's the third one? Maybe it was for thunder. You're wrong, Mike. And about encyclopedias? Twenty volumes to the set, covering everything from A to Z. Right, Angel, right. Where's the other eight volumes? Porter was dumped overboard with A to J. And you think K to Z are with Fonda? Say, anybody on the yacht with that dame? Oh, Taylor's with a shield keep. Well, Fonda didn't keep very well. Well, maybe I left her uncovered so she'd lead us to Fonda. I've got a different slant, Inspector. The only place Annabella leads you is astray. I guess we'd better get back to the yacht. If you're still looking for Fonda, we'd better go. I doubt if there's anyone else there. All right, let's go. Fonda's the lad I'm still looking for. Uh, uh, then you better take along the boys with the long-handled rakes, Inspector. We'll return to Michael Shane and his adventures in just a moment. The front wheel bearings on your automobile are made of finely machined, high-carbon steel. With proper lubrication, these bearings will last the lifetime of the car with no other attention. But notice, ladies and gentlemen, that we say, with proper lubrication. For front wheel bearings do require extra protection. They're exposed to damage from brake dust, grit, and water. In addition, they must support the heavy weight of your automobile. For these reasons, and because they're expensive and difficult to replace nowadays, front wheel bearings should be carefully and thoroughly lubricated. Your neighborhood Union Oil Minuteman knows this. That's why he takes such pains to do a thorough job of lubricating front wheel bearings. First, he washes out all the old grease and dirt with solvent. Then the bearings and races are individually cleaned until they're dry and shiny. Finally, the clean, polished bearings are replaced in the races. Then, with special equipment, every surface is snugly packed in a thick coating of Union Ball Roll grease, and your front wheels are all set for months of well-lubricated, easy rolling. The cost for the entire service of your front wheel bearing assembly is nominal. So for safer, easier driving, just stop in wherever you see the sign of the big orange and blue 76 and ask for Union Oil's front wheel bearing service. Thank you. Mike, Phyllis, and Inspector Faraday are back at the yacht. A crew with grappling hooks is just arriving. It would be old home week if Mrs. Porter and Bill Taylor were there, but they've flown the coop. The inspector mutters to himself. I hope this phone's still working. Hello? Hello? Hello, Sarge? Yes, Inspector? Get Cassidy on the short wave. Tell him to bring Mrs. Porter and Taylor back to the yacht. So, you did have them tailed. How do you think I keep my job, Mike? Mike? Hmm? Mike, you were right about the blankets, and the bags are gone, too. Sure they're gone. Taylor told us they were moving into town. And here's where the encyclopedia set came from. Where is it? An empty shelf, and I never even noticed. Say, let's go out on deck and see if they fished up anything, huh? All right. All right. Hey, fellas, have you found anything? Two tire cases and a couple of pairs of old shoes. Well, keep on raking. Try it forward. All right. Beginning to add up, all right. Yeah, sure, sure it adds up. Fonda gets into town, goes to see Uncle Porter. And tries to pick up five grand. No, 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 I'm not buying the blackmail scenario. Why am I? Too well planted like the rest of the deal. Anyhow, a crook working a blackmail racket doesn't have to work as a press agent. Okay, so Fonda goes to see Porter. And Porter isn't in sight. Annabelle and Taylor give Fonda a cock and bull story. He gets suspicious and starts checking. Yeah, but where? Around the neighborhood, at the university. And then? Annabelle and Taylor get ideas. 
Maybe Fonda is the answer to a little job they've already done. You mean Porter's murder? You're on the beam, Inspector. My guess is Fonda stood to get a slice of the professor's estate, a big slice. I'm beginning to like your story. Well, wait a minute. Let me finish it. Hmm? They decide to knock off Fonda, hang the Porter murder on him, and live happily ever after. Take the whole part, huh? Right, right. So Taylor lets Fonda know that his professor uncle is on the yacht. And when Fonda shows up Sunday night, Taylor drills him. Hey, aren't you boys guessing a bit too far ahead? Huh? You've got no proof that Taylor shot Fonda. In fact, you've got no proof that Fonda's even dead. No. But do you see what I see on that ledge? You mean the lamp? Yes, darling, a lamp. Where it couldn't do anybody any good. No, it's not very ornamental. Okay, okay, quit being clever. Move it. All right. A bullet hole. Yes, honey, a bullet hole. Not very old, either. And since no bullets were used to put the professor out of the way, and Taylor and the professor's wife are still alive... What is it, Sarge? Another bundle, Inspector. Well, well, Inspector, blanket number three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the same kind of bulges as the other bundle. Yes, Angel. Encyclopedia Britannica, volumes K to Z. <laughs> Looks like a police car. Cassidy, you hope. With our two murdering lovebirds. Yeah. Yeah. It's Cassidy, all right. Here they are, Inspector. Did you send for us, Inspector? Yes, I wanted to finish our chat. Why, what happened, Inspector? Nothing much. We just found Fonda's body. Get out of the car, Taylor. You too, Annabelle. Look, guys, he's got a gun! Get him, Faraday! Get him! My gun's jammed! That got his tire! The car's caught fire. Yeah, come on, run for it. Hurry! Both unconscious. Yeah, pull him out, pull him yeah. out. Get her first. Easier Taylor. that way. Taylor's all in one piece anyway. It's the same with the day. Just bump your head. Well, that's too bad. Mike, where are you going? To get the robe out of the car before it's burned. Have you gone crazy? No, no. Here. Here, let's throw this robe over Annabelle. Well, Put it up over her face. Hey, Taylor's stirring. He's mm. coming out of it. Good, good. But I can't have Annabelle awake. Maybe I better conquer Let huh? me. Wake him up, Inspector. Come on, you get up. Wake mm. him up. Come on. Where am I? You're at the end of the road, Helen. Oh, where's Annabelle? Mrs. Porter. Mrs. Porter is dead. Oh, no. No, she couldn't be. Yeah? Pull the blanket back, honey. Was she dead? I mean... I mean... I know exactly what you mean, boy. No. No, she talked. Talked plenty before she went. You've been out cold for ten minutes, fellas. Come on, you'd better talk fast. I had nothing to do with it. Oh, I helped dispose of the bodies, yes, but... She made me. She threatened my life. She acted like a madwoman. I, I didn't do it. I didn't. Then who did? Annabelle. She poisoned the professor and she shot Fonda. He's lying. Don't believe him. Oh, so you came too, huh? But but you said she was dead. You, you tricked me. Which is nothing compared to what we're going to do to you, both of you. Yes, we tricked you. And you accused her of murder. Now it's her turn. Where did he hide the gun? At my apartment. Oh, you fool. If you kept your mouth if shut. If you both kept your mouth shut, we'd still have caught you. Every clue that you planted, every clue that you thought would point to Fonda was a signpost leading us right to you. I don't want to talk to them anymore, Inspector. How about you? Not me. I've had all I want. Take him away, Cassidy. (laughs) 
Well, Mike, this is my apartment, remember? Huh? Oh. Oh, yes, Andrea. Uh -huh. What are you thinking of, Mike, the redhead? Redhead? Oh, her, no. Oh, no. She did sort of go for it, in a mild sort of way. <laughs> Not me, honey. I knew she was a phony. Ah, don't give me that. No, look, Angel, look. What do you think I am, a fool? Yes, where blondes and redheads are concerned, yes. Oh, Angel, from the word go, I had her tagged. She tried to identify Fonda as the guy who kidnapped her. Well, I know it. Well, could you picture Fonda picking her up, wrapping her in a blanket, carrying her to a canoe, and all the time striking matches to light a pipe he was smoking? Well, then why didn't you say so before? <laughs> Just because you look so cute when you're jealous. Jealous? Well, uh, ah, Angel, please, Angel, not here. The neighbors are watching. again next week at 8.30 for another adventure with Michael Shane, Private Detective, starring Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis, with Joe Forte as Inspector Faraday. Tonight's story was written by Tom Petty and based on the character created by Brett Halliday. Music was composed and directed by Bernard Katz. This is Ed Stevens substituting for John Lang, saying good night for the people who make 76 gasoline and Triton Motor Oil, Union Oil Company. Ladies and gentlemen, despite all our efforts to know that living costs are rising, and certainly the high taxes of war are cutting deeply into our incomes, so why not help yourself and your country by starting a victory garden now? Growing your own vegetables will not only make a big saving on your grocery bill, but will provide a healthy, interesting hobby. Those who have no yards of their own may be able to find space in nearby vacant lots. So wherever you live, whatever you do, serve yourself and the nation with a victory garden in 45. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. The Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective. The people who make 76 gasoline and Triton Motor Oil, Union Oil Company, present... The Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective, starring Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis. Excitement and danger are the salt and pepper in Mike Shane's recipe for life. But at this particular moment, Mike seems fresh out of spice and seasoning. Life is very dull for our detective friend. So dull, in fact, he almost yawns right in the very pretty face of his secretary, Phyllis Knight. Mm, ten minutes to four. You've had that poetry book propped under your nose since lunch. Well, certainly. If I'm going to write poetry reviews, I've got to read them. Exactly. Three people have walked through that door today. One bill collector and two guys asking where they could... Mike... Where they could comb their hair. Three plus one equals four. You, sir, are Monsieur Michael Shane, the private detective? If it's all right with you, ma'am. I am Madame Jolene Toulot. 
once again? Madame Jolene Toulot. But of course, I shouldn't expect a detective to know and appreciate... Jolene Toulot, the opera star, of course. Won't you have a chair, please? Uh, the other one, Phil, it's strong, uh, more comfortable. Young man, I weigh 230 pounds. If this chair won't hold me, I'll let you know. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Uh, a big voice means a big body. Did you ever hear a voice from one of those little musical comedy with it? No? Uh, no more voice than a sick grasshopper. Madame Tello, you wish to see Mr. Shane about some problem, a case? Of course. What did I come here for? It's in my purse. Here, read this letter. Thank you. Madam, this is your last morning. If the book is published, you will not be here to enjoy the pain it causes. Hmm, that's all. It's unsigned. This is the second one I have received in the past two weeks. Well, what on earth does it mean, uh, the, the book? My memoirs. Oh. Everybody knows I am writing them. A lot of famous people will lose sleep when they read what I, Madame Jolene Torlot, has told about them. But I want to live, to uh, enjoy it. You, you wish me to investigate who's sending you these notes? I do. I'm sorry, madam. I'm not a press agent. Writers have tried this publicity stunt before. Why, you young cochon. Very well. I'll go to a good detective. I wish you luck, madam. I like you, young man. You talk back to me and don't apologize. Only in months spelt with an R. <laughs> I admit I like publicity, Mr. Shane. I love to see my name in print, but not in the obituary. If you will take the case, I'll give you the names of the people that might have written these notes. Go ahead, Mike. We wouldn't want anything to really happen to Madame Tillot. Thank you, my dear. What is your name? Phyllis. Phyllis Knight. I remember hearing you sing Carmen when I was a little girl. Mm, you're older than I thought. Uh, you like opera? Oh, I love it, yes. I've got record albums at home of Aida and Carmen, Rigoletto, Cavaliero Rusticana. Wait a minute. Didn't I see in the papers that you were singing that tonight? The, uh, the uh, benefit series. Yes. My fifth farewell appearance. Uh, coming back to business, madam. You were going to give me some names. Yes. The first one is Roderick Mackenzie of the Newport Mackenzies, an old suitor of mine. Would uh, he threaten to kill you? He's come clear out to the coast just to keep his name out of my memoirs. He wants to buy his letters back from me. Oh? My dear Julene, he says, I was wild, a wild and foolish boy, but that was long ago. So is my family, you my were, circle. You're writing this down, honey. Uh -huh, yes, yes. Uh, then there's my ex-husband, Edwin Buck. He's got political ambitions which my book might sour. And uh, Leonora Baril, Madame Baril. Do you think I have to sing tonight with that Hungarian hoot owl? Uh, oh, and one other, Savadal, our maestro. They're all in your memoirs? Uh, any others? Uh, yes. Savadal, our maestro, he hates the air I breathe because I won't let Helen marry him. Helen? My secretary, Helen Smith. Oh. The girl thinks she's in love with him. She's too young, too good for him. Uh, you might add the secretary to the list, honey. Mm -hmm. Helen? Impossible. She couldn't. She's... No, never. Well, we've got four names here. Now, where do I find these people? Come to the opera tonight, the Figaro Theater. I will have them all there for you. Figaro Theater, Okay. Uh, it's a double bill, Pagliacci, then Cavalleria. I sing in the second half. Oh, oh let, uh, let us meet in my dressing room during the intermission. Uh, one thing more, madam. Do we have to listen to the opera itself? Of course. Someday you can tell your children you heard Madame Jeline Torlot. You will never forget tonight. Uh-huh. That's what I'm afraid of. 
Yeah, so do I. It can't end quick enough. Oh, you're just being childish. You like music and singing. Yeah, sure, darling, but when guys get up on the stage and insult each other, I want to enjoy it in English. Oh, my. Yes? Oh, oh, we thought this was Madame Turlow's dressing room. I'm sorry. It is. Madame has no come here yet. Oh, well, we were to meet her here in her dressing room. Can we come in and wait? I am awaiting to see her. Okay, we'll make it a threesome. Uh, the names are Miss Knight and Mike Shane. So? I am Savadel. The maestro? But I thought you were conducting... Cavalleria only, madame. Oh. Diablo, she is late, late. Uh, uh, excuse me. Hello? Hello? Madame, the time I wait and wait and wait. So? See, they are here. You, Mr. Shane. She wants to talk. Oh, thank you. Hello? Mr. Shane, I am going to be late. A certain person has been here at the house trying to tear up my memoirs. What? Who? I'll tell you when I get to the theater. Come back to the dressing room after the performance. Au revoir. Goodbye. I want to talk to her. I'm sorry, Maestro. She hung up. Oh, that woman, that big girl, will not stand to this. I warn her. No, we don't. I'll do what? Hey, hey, just a second there. That, my dear, is what we artists call temperament. Fortissimo. Yeah, well, I've got a plainer name for it. <laughs> Come on, darling, let's go back to our seats and join the other sufferers. Mike. Hmm? Hey, that man conducting the orchestra, he doesn't look like Savadell. Hey, you're right. It's the same bald head who umpired the first opera. Yeah, but Savadell said he would. I wonder what it means. Don't ask me, darling. The only thing I know about grand opera is the price of our tickets. Hey, that's... That's awfully funny. Yeah. Well, this is the last part of the prelude, and right now the tenor is supposed to be singing off stage. The curtain's huh? going up. There's nobody on the stage. Somebody's coming out, on the, out from the wings now. It's Savadell. Ladies and gentlemen... Ladies and gentlemen, please. I am regret to announce there will be tonight no Cavalleria Rustican. I have to announce there is a tragedy. Our soprano, Madame Turlow, is a dead. <laughs> We'll return to Mike and Phyllis in just a moment. Many motorists blame poor mileage, sluggish pickup, and inferior engine performance on wartime gasoline. Now, it's true that all civilian gasoline must be restricted in quantity and quality due to government regulations. But if you've been having trouble with a rough motor, or your gas coupons don't seem to go quite as far as they used to... Ask yourself this question. How long has it been since my spark plugs were checked? You see, spark plugs have a lot to do with engine performance. If they're old or burned or dirty, they won't fire properly and they waste gasoline. 
In fact, engineering tests show that defective plugs can waste one tankful of gasoline out of ten. Now, there's no reason why anyone should put up with this condition when it's so easy to have your Union Oil Minuteman check your spark plugs. Union Oil spark plug inspection is scientifically performed. The condition of each plug is carefully measured on a special machine, and you can see the results for yourself. If your plugs are dirty, the Minuteman will clean and adjust them. The cost of this service is only a few cents per plug, and you'll soon save that in extra mileage. You'll find Union Oil Minuteman ready to serve you wherever you see the sign of the big orange and blue 76. The sudden death of Madame Turlot has been announced from the opera stage. It's a few minutes later. Mike and Phyllis are at the home of the dead singer. As they hurry through the entrance hall, Inspector Faraday is explaining... Well, for once, Mike, I beat you to the scene. The yeah. old lady started to phone the police, but never completed the call. One of our operators heard gunshots over the phone. So you hightailed it right over. Yeah, and when somebody at the opera phoned for her, I gave him the news. Well, this is the living room. The bodies, well, you can see for yourself. But, but, Inspector, there are two of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As bloody as Grand Opera itself. Oh. And when she came to our office, I thought it was a publicity stunt. Mike Shane, you. Oh, Mike, you couldn't possibly know. I haven't had time to identify the other body. It's a woman of, I'd say, 25 or 26. That's probably Helen Smith, the mm-hmm. secretary. Only we knew who was here with Madame Tello when she telephoned you at the theater. Yeah, the somebody who had just tried to destroy her manuscript. So that's what it was, a manuscript. One of my boys found a pile of paper over there in the fireplace. A lot of it was burned up. Uh-huh. Looks like some old photographs and letters, too. Well, maybe that's the coroner. Be right back, kids. Okay. Look at these, Mike. Here, these pages didn't burn. Chapter 5, My Husband. There never was a more dashing, gallant figure of a man than Edwin Buck. Hmm, there's something screwy here. She's giving him a gold-plated Oscar, unless it's supposed to be sarcasm. Her desk looks as if she'd been working on a manuscript, Mike. A lot of typewriter paper and carbon sheets. Only used a couple of times. Well, good, good. You know what to do with them. Mike? What are you staring at? Bloodstains on the carpet. They trail from the phone over here to the piano where she died. Oh. She must have clutched at the music rack as she fell. There's music all over the floor. Uh Uh-huh. She's got a couple of sheets crumpled in her hand. Looks like they were torn out of something. I see. That's part of an opera score. An aria from Rigoletto. Court I.G. On I. Z. Mike. Corsiani Virazzi. It's a baritone aria. I thought she was a soprano. Oh, Helen, Mama Mia, Helen. No, Sabadell, no, don't touch her. I don't know who these men are, but they all insist they're special friends of Madame Turlow. What's your name, sir? Edmund Buck. I was once her husband. And you? Roderick McKenzie. I've known Jolene for, uh, well, a long time. I was supposed to meet all three of you gentlemen this evening about certain threatening letters sent to Madame Turlow. Mm-hmm. So I understand. Have you got those letters, Mike? Uh, I have one, Inspector, here in my purse. Maestro Savadell. Uh, when we were in the dressing room with you, you blew your top about Madame. You said you uh, had warned her, and now you would do it. Uh, do what, Maestro? I was, I was a meaning for Helen. Madame, she said, we cannot marry. I'm say, Madame Turlow have no right to stop us. Tonight I'm a decide. No more talk. We do it. And uh, where did you go when you slammed out? First I go for a walk, get over my temper. Then I phone Madame. She's a very late. They say she's a dead. Mr. Buck, you came here for some reason, but you're very quiet. Yes, I... 
Oh, it's so horrible that... How long ago were you divorced from Madame Cello? About 18 years. I understand you have political ambitions, is that right? I hope to run for Congress. And what your ex-wife wrote about you might do your opponents more good than you. Hmm? Why, no. From all Gilang told me, she wrote rather well of me. From all she told us, that wasn't her idea. Can you tell us, Mr. Buck, where you were during the past hour? Why, certainly. At the opera to hear Gilang. Mm-hmm. Mr. McKenzie, I believe you made a special trip here from New York to keep your name out of these memoirs. There's no crime in that. You tried to buy your letters back from Madame. I did. I have my family to think of, my social standing... Some of my letters were, well, full of youthful enthusiasm. I was afraid Jelaine would distort them. Mr. McKenzie, where were you during the past hour? I was at the opera. No, no, that is one a lie. He was here. I must see him. All right, McKenzie. Drop the innocent act. What were you doing here? Well, if you must know, I I came to talk to Jelaine's secretary. And? I was going to bribe her to steal my letters for me. But nobody answered the door. I never got in. You can't prove anything on me. Except that you're a poor liar, sir. That goes for all of you. Any one of you three could have sneaked up here from the opera and killed these women. Inspector. Yes, Mike. Madam has some uh, some of the musical score in her right hand. I want to borrow it for an hour or so. But, Mike, that's evident. Nothing's going to happen to it, Inspector. And, honey, if you'll give me the keys to your apartment, please. Uh, what? I'll go with you. No, no, no. I want you here to sort of observe the uh, proceedings. Mr. Shannon, please. I want to talk with you. It must be private. Inspector Faraday will be glad to hear anything you have to say, Maestro. I'll uh, be seeing your children. Oh, Angel. Uh, you dropped your handkerchief. Hmm? Oh, thanks. All right, Mr. Sabado. What was it you wanted to tell Mike? Oh, it's a, like I say. It's a private. Okay, I suppose it's private why you came here earlier and saw Mackenzie. I'm already to tell. I come to see Helen. And say to Madame that we get married. But nobody's opened the front door. They're already dead. Inspector. Now what? This isn't my handkerchief. It's got the initials LB. Mm-hmm. Of course. Leonor Beryl, the singer. Her name was on our list, too. And she must have been here. We're knee deep in suspects. Well, maybe this one is the fish we're really after. See you later, Inspector. Hey, Phil, where are you going? What do you suppose? Right, Inspector? <laughs> I hope you will excuse my appearance, but I'm... Well, I, I am so unstrung from this shock. Yes, yes, I understand, Miss Beryl. Shalene and I, were, we were such good friends. She was like a mother to me. Yes, you know. yes. Did you see her today? Today? Oh, no. No, I... Oh, my eyes. Mascaro. Oh, here. Here, use this, thank oh, oh, thank you. You buy very expensive handkerchiefs, Miss Beryl. What? That handkerchief. It's yours. You dropped it in the living room. Jelaine Turlow's living room. Oh, you did see her today, didn't you? In fact, this evening. How did you know? <laughs> I didn't. There's a shot in the dark. I see you use a typewriter. So, what are you doing? Just checking something. Will not be... Yep, it's the same. It is the same what? The letter E on your typewriter, exactly like the E in the note threatening the life of Jelaine Tullow. All right. I was trying to scare her. She had me in her memoirs. I am trying to get my husband back. But if Savadell reads the malicious way she twisted things... Savadell? He's your husband? And our divorce became final last month. But I am going to get him back. Oh. He was going to elope with Helen... So you got rid of the girl, then you had to kill the other woman. I killed... 
Get out of here. Get out of here. Gladly, gladly. I think you've told me all we need to know. trouble with women. They tell it too much. Joseph Adele, how did you get here? The inspector, he's a turn to lose everybody but Mr. McKenzie. Now, I talk to you. No, you don't. You stay. Stop it, I want to talk. You let go of me. Get over, Lord, she back. Stop it. Stop it, she's getting away. Sister, I am away. Because Wait everything minute, that please, she said... Please, Angel, please give it to me slow. I oh. can't get it all at once. Well, listen, all right. Faraday has turned everybody loose except Mackenzie. He's holding the wrong man. Well, it could be, but Inspector Faraday must have his reasons. But the handkerchief. Leonor Beryl admitted she was with Madame Tillot tonight. And she was married to Savadell. Uh, so you said. Well, doesn't all this mean anything to you? Savadell tried to keep me in that apartment. Mm-hmm. Men try that occasionally. Oh. By the way, did you check Madam's uh, carbon paper? I did not. I found more important things to do. Phyllis, I told you... Mike, stop fiddling with that phonograph and listen to me. Leonore Barrill sent those threatening letters. She wanted Savadell back, but he was going to elope with Helen. Don't you think Leonore would be mad enough to kill her and Jelaine Tillot? If you think that, why were you so scared of Savadell? Because... Because they're in it together. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, Oh, by the way, honey, have you got some extra phonograph needles? This one's getting scratchy. Oh, Mike... What's matter? Something wrong? Yes, you. Huh? I beat my brains out trying to help you on this case. You just stand there gawking at sheet music and phonograph records. Excuse me, please put the doorbell. That's the apartment phone, stupid. Down by the mailboxes. Oh, I'll get it. It's probably Inspector Faraday. Hello? Please. Mr. Phyllis and I. Well, who is it and what do you want? Senor Sabatel. I must see her at the once. Look, mister, look, this is Mike Shane. If you come around here to Pester Phyllis, I'll put no, you... No, no, please. I want to talk to both of you. It's a secret. I have an idea. Oh. Uh, hello? Hello, hello? Oh. Hello? Mr. Shane. Yeah? The aria. The aria. Sabatel. Sabatel, what's wrong? Sabatel! <laughs> In just a moment, we'll return to Michael Shane and his adventures. A few minutes ago, we mentioned some of the reasons why clean spark plugs are important to the efficient performance of an automobile engine. Now, while you're having your spark plugs checked, it's a good idea to ask the Minuteman to look at your ignition cables, too. These cables are the small, fine wires which deliver electricity to the spark plugs. If any of them are broken or frayed or the insulation damaged, even brand new plugs won't help your driving. You see, old or damaged ignition cables leak electricity so that by the time the charge gets to the spark plug, there isn't enough juice left for the rich spark needed for instant firing. So to get full power out of old engines, ask the Union Oil Minuteman to check both spark plugs and ignition cables then you'll be sure of more power and better mileage. Just drive in wherever you see the sign of the big orange and blue 76 and ask for Union Oil Ignition Service. Thank you. For the second time tonight, a phone call has been ended suddenly by a revolver shot. It is minutes later. Mike and Phyllis are standing on the sidewalk outside Phil's apartment house. 
two men in white are lifting a limp body onto an ambulance stretcher. Mike, do you think he'll live? Well, the doctor says he will if they get him to the hospital quick enough. Mm. Even so, we won't be able to question him for days, and that may be too late. Not a soul in this crowd saw who did it. Somebody decided Savadell shouldn't talk to us. Yeah. Oh, if I had only listened to him when he tried to tell me something at Madame Turlow's. Or you at Leonor Burrill's. Well, if we just knew what he wanted to tell us. I think I have a sneaking hunch on me. You have? Yep. Well, come on, Bright Eyes. We're going to phone Inspector Faraday and send out the invitations. Invitations? Mm Mm-hmm. To a midnight reunion at Madame Turlow's. The guest list will be very select and slightly dangerous. Good evening, Inspector. Hello, Inspector. You round up everybody? I did. They're in the living room. Come on in. Okay. That package under your arm, Mike, what is it? <laughs> patience, me not patience. Everything in due time. Hmm, Mike, you tell me on the phone that Mackenzie was innocent and to release him. Well, I haven't. You mean you've got proof on him? Mackenzie came clear across the continent just to stop Madame Tolo from publishing that book. He admits he was going to bribe her secretary to steal the stuff for him. And Savadell placed him here at the house at or about the time of the killing. That's enough for me. Now, there's just one hitch, Inspector. What? How about the killer trying to remove Savadell, too, at the very time you had uh, Mackenzie at headquarters? Say, that's right. Yeah. Uh, unless Savadell's ex-wife did it in a fit of anger. Mm. Oh, uh, Miss Burrell, this is Mr. Shane. So, I understand I have you to thank for dragging me out at this unearthly hour. Yes, Miss Burrell. Oh. Uh, Mr. Buck, how are you? As well as could be expected. Phyllis, uh, will you look up those carbon papers now? Yeah, yeah, right away. I believe Inspector Faraday has told you of the shooting of uh, Maestro Savadell, so the first thing we want to know from both of you is, uh, where were you during the past hour? Well, I was at home, reading the newspaper story about tonight. Oh, an incomplete story, I'm afraid. And you, Miss Perrin? Also at home. When uh, Miss Knight left you and Savadell, or should I say, escaped from you, what happened? Nothing. You and Savadell had a fight. He accused you of killing Helen so he couldn't marry her. I told him I didn't, and he said truth. All right, all right, all right. Now, honey, how about the carbons? All checked. Madame Tello was still working on the chapter, My Husband. And? We were right the first time. She's anything but flattering to Mr. Buck. Rubbish. She was very kind to me. Well, here's the carbon sheets. We found them on Madame's desk, never used only twice. I just held them up in front of my vanity mirror and read what she'd typed, and it was not flattering. Well, how was I to know that? I thought it was all favorable to me. Well, that's a minor issue now, anyway. The real key is Helen Smith, the secretary. How do you mean, Mike? Madame Turlow was against a marriage between Helen and Savadell. She told us it would never happen. Mm-hmm. Now, doesn't that strike any of, any of you as a little strange? Employers usually don't have such control over the lives of their secretaries. Okay, Mike, but get to the point. Ah, that is the point, Inspector. And now you wanted to know what I have in this package. Yeah, yeah. First, the music score we found in Madame Turlow's hand. A baritone aria from Rigoletto. The Cortigiane Virazzi. Pronunciation by courtesy of Miss Phyllis Knight. Thank, Thank you, you, darling. And uh, next we have Phil's record album of the same opera. Angel, will you warm up the Madame's phonograph for me? If you ask me, this is all very cheap and, and dramatic. Operatic is the word, Miss Borrell. You see, when Madame Turlow was shot, she made a dying effort to tell us who killed her and Helen, especially Helen. She tore a very special aria from the score of Rigoletto in a desperate gamble somebody would understand it. Mr. Shane, I don't believe you are the man to give us a course on opera appreciation. Well, we shall see, Miss Barrio. Photographs ready, Mike. Okay, darling. Now, uh, do you people know the plot of Rigoletto and what this aria means? Well, of course. I have sung Rigoletto. I'm afraid I have only a hazy idea. All right. This is the setup. 
A gang of the Duke's courtiers have just kidnapped a girl. Now this guy Rigoletto is cursing them. Now he's begging them to give her up and they won't. Now he tells them a secret. The girl is his own daughter. Well, does that mean anything to you, Miss Perrill? Not a thing. You, Mr. Buck? I can't say that it does. Okay, then I'll put on the other record. Now, this is the end of the opera, the payoff. Miss Perrill, as an opera star, tell us what's happening on the stage right now. Why, Rigoletto had planned to kill his enemy, the Duke. Right. He has the body in a sack, and then he makes a discovery. Now, listen carefully, Mr. Buck. Rigoletto opens the sack and sees a girl's body. He cries, speak, oh, speak to me, my darling daughter. Oh, awful fate. By my hand, she hath fallen. What's that? My my child. Helen was my child. Helen was Elaine's daughter. Then then Buck is her father? I, I didn't know. I didn't know. Yes, her father. And her murderer. Feeling better? Ah, uh, Mr. Shan, to you, bigger congratulations. <laughs> Your work, bravo. She's the most brilliant. Well, thank you, Maestro. I thought it was pretty good myself. Good? Well, Buck could hardly add anything to his confession. He hadn't seen his daughter Helen since she was six years old. Buck says he just wanted to scare her. Madam, out of publishing her book. Helen tried to grab the gun, it went off. Then he had to shoot again. Mr. Savadell, you uh, had something you wanted to tell me privately. Now, can you talk now? Yes. Yes, I can. Tonight. I see Aria from Rigoletto in a madam's hand. Mm-hmm. The ideas have come to me. Maybe Helen is not often the way she's a think. Maybe she is the daughter of madame and Mr. Buck. The same idea Mr. Shane have, but I must tell in a private. Well, why under the sun would Jelaine Tillot keep such a secret from her husband and her own daughter? We in the opera are strange people. Mm. Madame Tillot live and breathe opera. She's a very dramatic. She's in a joy secret. Just like a storybook. Uh, speaking of operas, Angel, I noticed you've got another record album up at your apartment. Maybe if I studied it, I might get the answer to another problem. Mike, not another crime. Well, a different sort. It's uh, The Marriage of Figaro. Catch on, Miss Knight? Then, uh, Mr. <laughs> Shane, you must translate better than your Rigoletto. Huh? But just a minute ago, you were complimenting me See, about... See, only your thinking. But the audio, no... I've never heard such a bad translation. Oh, my. Dear, <laughs> I was so proud of your learning and your culture. Well, what about you? You didn't correct me. You're supposed to be the highbrow in this partnership. Oh, I am. Opera, music, books, poetry, reviews. Climb down off that pedestal, you fake. Why, Michael <laughs> Shane. <laughs> Phil, there's only one book a man wants a woman to review. I know, I know. A cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Tune in again next week at 8.30 for another adventure with Michael Shane, Private Detective, starring Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis, with Joe Forte as Inspector Faraday. Tonight's story was written by Richard DeGraff, 
and based on the character created by Brett Halliday. Music was composed and directed by Bernard Katz. This is John Lang saying goodnight for the people who make 76 gasoline and Triton Motor Oil, Union Oil Company. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. The Adventures of Mike. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Bill Shane, Private Detective. <laughs> The people who make 76 gasoline and Triton Motor Oil, Union Oil Company, present... The Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective, starring Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis. Even the busiest detectives can't always be detecting. And on this late Saturday afternoon, we find Mike Shane and his pretty assistant, Phyllis Knight, driving through the timber country high up near the Nevada border. They're on their way to keep an important date, a date with a wedding. But no, not theirs. It's the wedding of Betty Harrison, daughter of the timber tycoon, and Mike has been unwillingly dragged along to help Phil carry out her social obligations. You know, I ought to have my head examined coming way out here to see two people I don't know get married. Oh, Mike. Betty was my closest friend at finishing school. Yeah, but I only finished uh, high school. Now, where do I fit into this high society stuff? Michael, it's a quiet wedding. We're the only guests. And I'm supposed to hold the bridegroom's fevered head? Mike, where is your romance? Romance I've got, Angel, but when it comes to rice and orange blossoms, I'm strictly allergic. Mm -hmm. You're hopeless. Hey, look. Look, there's the Harrison place. Place, you say? That, my love, is quite a shack. And there's Betty. There's Betty waiting for us. Yeah, say, honey, that, that guy with her looks familiar. Huh? Mike, that's Inspector Faraday. In the flesh. And that spells trouble. Betty? Betty? Phyllis. Phyllis, I'm so glad you've come. Oh, you look wonderful. Me too. Betty, this is Mike Shane. Hello. I'm pleased to meet you. Well, I'll be. Mike and Phyllis. Say, Inspector, aren't you early with your vacation? No, I'm here on business, Mike. Mr. Harrison phoned me. Said he was leaving on the second section of 98. But he transferred to his own private trainer for me to meet him here. Father wasn't planning to come up for the wedding, and all of a sudden I get a wire that he is. Well, that must be Harrison's train now. Yes, it runs up to a little station behind the house. Well, then why don't we walk over and meet it, huh? Let's. Father will be surprised. Betty, hey, where's the bridegroom? Don should have been here by now. Oh, bridegrooms are always late. Those last three hours. You be hey. quiet. Betty. Oh, there's Don coming now. Hey, he's a bit of all right. Mm -hmm. Sorry I'm late. Had a flat tire. Oh, Don, dearest, this is Phyllis Knight, Hello. Mr. Shane, Mr. Faraday, Don Manchester, my fiancé. How do you do? Hello, there. How are you? Well, there she is, a coming around the mountain. Yeah. You know, this is something yeah, to see, an engine pulling one coat. They <laughs> dropped the lumber cars off at Camp Junction. Oh. Hey, look. 
There, there's somebody getting off. Oh, that's Mr. Oliver, father's business associate. Well, that's Mr. Miller getting off the back platform. I still don't see Mr. Harrison. No. Oh, Mr. Oliver. Oh, hello, Betty. Where's father? Oh, as usual, in his private compartment. Hasn't even stepped out since we left Northwood City. He's probably napping again. Mm, he certainly was fine company. Well, I'm going up to the house. Yeah, that's one happy character. Let's climb aboard and get farther. Sort of like a welcoming committee, mm-hmm. huh? Okay. Uh, Inspector, watch your lumbago on these steps. Never mind my lumbago, Mike. <laughs> watch out for those fallen arches of yours. Oh, oh give him. Man. <laughs> Here's Father's compartment. I'll sneak in and shout boo. <gasps> father! Something's wrong. What is it? What is it? Father! It's Harrison stretched out on the floor. Oh, Betty's fainting. Here, put her on that couch down. Wait a minute. Rub her wrist. Wait a minute. I'll get some water. Well, Inspector, how's Mr. Harrison? He's dead, Mike. Looks like a heart attack. Uh-huh. Maybe so, Inspector, but this heart attack has had a little help. What are you talking about? About murder, Inspector. Froth on the lips and dilated eyes don't spell a heart attack. Somebody slipped Mr. Harrison a nice big slug of poison. Oh, there you are, Mike. Get Betty up to the house all right? Yes, Inspector. Phil and Donna are taking care of her. You still think Mr. Harrison was poisoned? I know so, Inspector. Look at his neck, stiff, and his jaws locked, eyes wide open and staring. Mm-hmm. I've got a little plan, Inspector. Would you like to try it? You know me, Mike. Well, look, no one knows we suspect murder, and whoever pulled this job figured on a local doc calling it a heart attack. So? Now, you take Harrison's body into Northwood City, along with that thermos of coffee we found by him. Mm-hmm. While you're checking for poison, Uncle Shane here will keep his big o- ears open here. <laughs> All right, honey, how's Betty? Oh, she's a little better, Mike. She's sleeping now. Oh, the poor kid. Say, what was that Betty said about her father not coming up for her wedding? Well, originally, he didn't like the idea of her marrying. But she was going to go through with it anyway? Yes. Then Mr. Harrison changed his mind, that's all. Uh, Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Mike, when you start double-talking, I get worried. Angel, look, there were three men on that private train making a 50-mile trip. Now, come to the end of the line, what happens? Well, I'm listening, Mike. Miller gets off the back platform and scoots. Oliver hops off the front and goes away mad. And we go aboard and find Mr. Harrison dead. Uh-huh, that's it. This Mr. Harrison is the big boss, honey. You'd think those other two would wait for him, sociable-like. Oh, it's probably just a coincidence, Mike. Uh, and is it a coincidence that Faraday is here? On business? All right, all right, mastermind. So what do you make of it? Uh Uh-uh, Angel. A good detective works from facts, so let's go get some. Facts? Where? Where, Mike? Mr. Miller's room is at the end of this hallway. Let's stop in and say hello, huh? Oh, I hope you know what you're doing. Yeah, me too. Here's his room. I'll knock. There's no answer, Mike. So, being friendly people, we'll go in and wait. Well, you can't just barge into somebody. Why not? The door's not locked. Come on, come on. Mike, I don't like this. Well, now, don't you worry your pretty head. Wow, the remains of a fire in the fireplace. I always love to poke around ashes. Now, let's see. Those look like letters. Mm-hmm. Letters, they were. Letters to Betty. Well, she's asleep in her room. While someone conveniently burns her mail. Mike, let's get out of here. What's the matter, Angel? There's just us two. That's where you're wrong. Mike. Huh? Well, well, Mr. Miller... And with a nice shiny gun. We don't like snoopers around here. 
Get going. Uh, just a mistake, Miller. Just a mistake. That kind of mistake isn't healthy. Get out while you're still lucky. Sure. By coincidence, we were just leaving. Come on, Angel. Right away. The gentleman doesn't like our type. And I'm afraid the feeling is very mutual. These couple of scraps I took from Miller's fireplace don't help much, honey. Well, I can't understand why anyone would burn Betty's letters from her father. Mm. Oh, well. Plenty of books around. Michael, after all, this room is the library. Encyclopedia, modern timbered methods. Look, honey, here's a book, Famous Scotland Yard Murder Cases. Well, that ought to help you, Mike. And here's a bookmark in the section on poisons. Mike, here comes Don. Mr. Oliver's with him. Huh? Mr. Shane. Well, what's up, Don? I told Mr. Oliver you're a detective. He wants to talk to you. <laughs> yes, uh, something quite confidential. Miss Knight is my assistant. Well, never mind. Never mind. I'll go look up a sandwich. Okay, dear. All right, Oliver, now what's the trouble? Mr. Shane, I want protection. Protection from what? Miller. He threatened my life on the train. Oh, what happened? Well, shortly after Miller came aboard Mr. Harrison's private train at Northwood City, I discovered him going through some of Mr. Harrison's private papers. Then what? We had an argument, and he drew a gun on me. What is Miller's position in the company? Frankly, I don't know. He's on Harrison's personal payroll. Betty's been rather worried. She felt that Mr. Miller had some sort of a hold on her father. Yes, that's it exactly. It was a very suspicious relationship. And uh, you want me to do what? Watch Miller every minute. He's dangerous. Mike? Yes, honey? Mike? Yes? A telephone call for you here in the den. Oh, okay. Oh. Faraday. All right. Okay, Bill, close the door. All right. Hello, Faraday. Well, what's the dope? Yeah? Well, that might help. Oh, sure, sure, they're all here. Don't worry, I'll be careful. Okay, Inspector, hurry back. So long. What'd he say, Mike? I was right, honey, 100% right. Harrison was loaded with strychnine. Well, then it, it was murder. And that's not all. I heard the click of an extension phone. There are extensions all over the house, Mike. Someone listened. We're keeping company with the murderer, honey. And the trouble is, we don't know who he is. But he knows we're looking for him. <laughs> In just a moment, we'll rejoin Mike and Phyllis in their adventures. Dirty or burned-out spark plugs can cost you a lot of gasoline. In fact, as much as one tankful out of ten. Now, that's a serious loss in mileage, particularly so when it's unnecessary. Your neighborhood Union Oil Minuteman is equipped to give you complete spark plug service. The performance of each plug is accurately measured on a special tester, and you can see the results for yourself. If your plugs are dirty, the Minuteman will clean and re-gap them to the proper setting. If they're burned or worn out, he can furnish you with correct replacements. Then you'll not only save gasoline, but your engine will run smoother. Union Oil Spark Plug Service takes but a few minutes and costs but a few cents, a cost you'll soon save in extra mileage. So, friends, if it's been 3,000 miles or more since your spark plugs were checked, or if your engines seem to be rough and listless, drive in wherever you see the sign of the big orange and blue 76 and ask for Union Oil Spark Plug Service. It will make driving easier. Gas coupons go farther. (laughs) 
It is a few minutes later. Mike and Phil have learned that what started out as a happy wedding has turned into a grim case of murder by poison. We find them walking rapidly towards the station behind the Harrison's house. The murdered man's private coach is still there on its siding, made almost invisible by the tall trees which turn the weak moonlight into gloomy shadows. Come on, honey. I'm hurrying as fast as I can. I want to see if that briefcase is still in the car. Inspector Faraday remembered that Harrison mentioned some important papers he was bringing up with him. Well, then whoever was listening on the extension may know about it, too. Right, and I want first crack at that briefcase. Hey, maybe you do, Mike, but so does someone else. Yeah, a flashlight. In Harrison's private car. Maybe it's the murderer. Hang on, honey, we'll find out. Mike! Mike, there he is, at the end of the car. Hey, honey, look out! No, no, a clean miss. Well, he got away out the front. Could you see who it was? No, a flashlight in my eyes. Well, we'll catch up with him sooner or later. Oh. Let's go look over the compartment. Here it is, the briefcase. Oh, what a break for us. We frightened him away without the case. Uh, uh, sorry, honey, bad guess. The lock on the briefcase has been forced open. Oh, and whoever was here opened it and got what he wanted. Correct. Now, here's some papers. Business letters, checkbook. Some kind of a report. Honey! What's the matter? This report. It's from the Atlas outfit. Atlas? Uh Uh-huh. The the detective agency in Los Angeles? Sure, sure. Listen to this. On the basis of our completed investigation, you have sufficient grounds to instigate criminal action against Z. Z? Evidently, Harrison didn't want the name mentioned. Well, Mr. Harrison was certainly checking up on somebody. And getting ready for the kill. I'll bet that's why Inspector Faraday's here. Mike, this is the motive for the murder. All we have to do is find out if Miller or Oliver is the Z in that report, and we've got the murderer. Partly right, Angel, partly. But I'd say it was better this way. Find out which one of them is Z, and the other guy is the killer. Huh? I don't get it, Mike. Look, Angel, look. The murderer listened in on my, my telephone conversation with Faraday. Yeah. He heard the inspector tell me about this briefcase, and he knew it held evidence that could hang him. Well, of course. That's why he dashed down here. Right, Angel. He beat us to the briefcase, and yet this report is here for us to find. Oh, oh. You see? Mm-hmm. He wanted us to find this report, and that means the killer isn't Mr. Z. As soon as we get back to the house, I'll send a telegram to the Atlas people. Okay, but these high heels don't go very well with forests. Yeah. Mike. Yeah. Someone on that other path. Three's behind this tree. Right. Whoever it is, he's walking fast. He's going past. No, he isn't. Hey, you hold it. What the... Mike. Mike, it's Miller. I say, what's the big idea of roughing me? I just want to ask you a few friendly questions, Tom. Oh, now look here. First, about a gun that took a couple of shots at us. Uh, you're off the beam. I'm not carrying a gun. No? Well, don't mind me. I'll just search. Now, go ahead. Well? Well, Mike? No, no gun. But you could have ditched it easy enough. Oh, Miss Knight, Mr. Shane. It's done. Well, what's the hurry, Doc? I was out for a walk. Is something wrong? Plenty. I'm glad you're here. I don't understand. Yeah, Shane. How about you doing some explaining? Okay. Mr. Harrison was murdered. What? Murdered? But why? Who? That's what we're finding out. Miller, you're on the spot and it's plenty hot. Are you saying I killed Harrison? He was poisoned on that coach, and you and Oliver were the only ones aboard. Oh, that doesn't prove a thing. It proves there's a 50-50 chance that you're it. Listen, smart guy, your mathematics aren't so good. 
There were three of us on that train. Sure, sure. But only you and Oliver walked off. I don't mean Harrison. Somebody else got on that coach. <laughs> now we have the ever-present uh, mysterious third party. Mm-hmm. Not so mysterious. He's standing right next to you. All right, Don. That means you. Well, as a matter of fact, Mr. Shane, I did get on Mr. Harrison's train at Mill Junction. Well, Shane, guess I can be running along while you turn the heat on him. Well, not so fast. I still think you know some of the answers. You know, maybe I do. And maybe I might just do a little talking to the right party. And when it will do me the most good. You're sticking your chin out a mile. This is murder. Well, I'll be around resting in my room. No, I don't trust him at all. Yeah? But you're still right in the middle of this, Don. You were on that death train. Oh, but I only stayed a minute. You see, Mr. Harrison was asleep, and I didn't want to disturb him. Which still doesn't explain why you drove out of your way from Northwood City to meet the train at the junction. Oh, it's a very personal matter. Look, Don, look, a man has been murdered. Wait, why should I want to kill my future father-in-law? Harrison wasn't too happy about you marrying his daughter. But he changed his mind. That's why he sent me a telegram this afternoon, asking me to meet his train. Oh, and what kind of a telegram might that be? Well, I have it right here. Read it for yourself. Here, honey. Huh? I'll hold the flashlight. All right, Mike. Wait a minute. Um, Don, have changed my mind. Happy to have you as son-in-law. Meet my train at Camp Junction. We'll ride in together. Much to talk over. Harrison. Sounds all right. Let me see it, Angel. Here. Yeah, from Northwood City at 3.20 today. Yeah, I wish I could help in some way. Yeah, sure, but... Hey, what was that? It's a window. Someone lowered it. That's Mr. Oliver's room. Mike, he must have heard everything. Yeah, something tells me we'll be hearing his little story very soon. That's right. The telegram is to the Atlas Detective Agency, Los Angeles. Uh, this is it. Please advise immediately. Name of Z. Yes, Z, the last letter in the alphabet. Name of Z in report to Harrison. Right. Sign that Michael Shane. That's right. Send it right out, please, and phone the reply here to me at Harrison's place. Thank you. Goodbye. Well, the answer to that telegram should mean a lot, Mike. Well, it'll help, darling, but there's some angles I don't get. Miller is a mysterious employee of Harriet Harrison's, all very hush-hush. Oliver's scared stiff of Miller... And Don goes walking around in the moonlight right after somebody takes a shot at us. Oh, you can't blame him for that, Mike. Here the night before his wedding and his future father-in-law is poisoned. Yes, sure, sure. But there's one thing we do know. There's a killer here. Well, there's a car outside. That must be Inspector Faraday and in a big hurry. It's too bad you haven't the murderer all signed, sealed, and ready to deliver. Now, Angel, now sarcasm doesn't become you. Well, Well, Mike, well... How goes the home front? Oh, quite a few interesting details for you, Inspector. Whatever you're figuring, Mike, forget it. Ah, uh, that means the Inspector knows something. Plenty. While you two were taking it easy, I cracked this case wide open. Yeah? Well, Gibb, who's the murderer? Miller. Miller? Sure. I thought his face had a familiar profile, so I checked on him with headquarters. And found what? He's got a record a mile long. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll be willing to wager it's for blackmail. That's right. But how did you know? Inspector, are you forgetting? Mike is smart. All right. I hope Miller's still around. He said he'd be in his room. Good, let's go pick him up. Okay, let's go. Well, Mr. Shane, it looks like Faraday beat us to it this time. Oh, he's just a good man, honey. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, what's the line on Miller? 
All the usual stuff. Hires out as a private investigator and then turns the information he picks up into blackmail. Ah, cute boy. That racket should put him in clover. Yeah, but this time, Mike, it'll put him right in the middle of the lethal chamber at San Quentin. Here's Miller's room. Yeah, no need to knock, Mike. Just open it up. Okay, here goes. Miller, we want you... Say, what? Well, there's your man, Inspector. You can take him in. But unfortunately, he's very dead. We'll return to Mike Shane and his adventures in just a moment. It's true that clean spark plugs make a difference in engine performance and gasoline mileage. But it's also true that even the finest spark plugs cannot fire properly if the ignition cables are defective. These cables are the small, fine wires which carry the electricity from the distributor to the spark plugs. They should be carefully inspected whenever your spark plugs are checked because old or damaged ignition cables leak electricity, which means that only a thin, weak spark reaches the plugs. So to get new performance out of old engines... Ask the Union Oil Minuteman to check both spark plugs and ignition cables. Then you'll be sure of more power and better mileage. Just drive in wherever you see the sign of the big orange and blue 76 and ask for Union Oil Ignition Service. Thank you. Phyllis, Mike, and Inspector Faraday have just burst into Miller's room only to find him dead shot through the heart. This new development has put quite a crimp in the inspector's plans, and Mike is pointing this fact out to him. Looks like you were wrong about Miller, Inspector. At least wrong about his being the murderer. Miller could still have been the one who bumped off Harrison, then somebody took care of him. Well, that would leave us with two killers. Well, could be, but it doesn't stack up that way. Well, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to take Oliver in and charge him with murder. Okay, so you're charging with murder, but how are you going to make it a stick, Inspector? How about motive? What, what evidence do you have? Oh, two and two make four, Mike. Harrison must have been poisoned on the private train. So it had to be Oliver. There's Miller lying there, absolutely eliminated. All fine and good, but it leads us to one other little item. Don was on that train, too. Don? Betty's fiancé? Mike, you saw the telegram Mr. Harrison sent him. Don couldn't have been the murderer. In this business, honey, we've got to figure every suspect guilty until we know they're innocent. Yeah, Mike's right. Oh, Phil, would you step into the other room and phone the coroner down at Northwood City? Yeah, yeah, sure, Inspector. I'll give him your compliments. You know, this business is beginning to make sense. The one who poisoned Harrison had to get rid of Miller because he knew too much. Miller said he might do some talking when the right time came. Well, Mike, for my money, Oliver fits into the picture. He's our man, and I'll get some evidence out of him. Oh, I'm sure he knows Matthew. plenty, but... Yeah. Inspector, I tried to call the coroner, but the telephones are dead. Uh-oh, the wires have been cut. Well, that don't make much difference. Oh, yes, it will, Inspector. You see, I'm expecting a reply to a telegram I just sent, a very important telegram. About this case? Yes, sir, in connection with the detective agency's report to Mr. Harrison. The answer to that why might be just what we need. Oh, now that the phones are dead, what are we going to do? Do? Simple, darling. The inspector will sit tight here while you and I go for a nice moonlight ride back to Northwood City. There it is. There's the telegraph office just on the other side of the tracks. Okay, I'll park the bus here. Now, watch it. Easy crossing these tracks, honey. Oh, thanks for the tip, old boy. But you could have carried me. Huh? (laughs) 
More trains. Yeah, this is the main line from San Francisco. Isn't this the place where Harrison transferred to his private train? Correct. Well, here's the telegraph office. Folks, can I help you? Uh, yes, I'm Mike Shane. I'm expecting a wire from Los Angeles. Mm, Shane. Let me see. Yeah, your telegram's coming in now. I have it for you in just a minute. Okay. Look, Mike. Hmm? There's another. The train just pulled in. Now, oh. that's 820, miss. Only stops for a few minutes. 820? Well, it's late. It's 835 now. Nope. Train's on time. That there's the second section of the 820. Oh. So many people traveling, huh? Yep. Too many. That's why they run two sections. Like this afternoon, the second section of 98 came in at 340 with a whole parcel of folks. Is that right? You know, honey, that's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah, of course it is. Isn't it? What are you staring at me that way for? What? It's a telegram, mister. Oh, swell, swell. Oh, come on, come on. Who was Mr. Z in that report? Well, this does it, honey. This does it. That Z is nobody else but Oliver. Oliver? Then Faraday's right. No, Angel. Faraday isn't right. Oliver wasn't Harrison's murderer. But uh, come on back to Harrison's place for a little meeting of the minds with Inspector Faraday. All right, is uh, everybody coming? Yeah, they're coming. Mate. I told Betty and Don Oliver. Good girl, good girl. Now, uh, now to open these French windows. There. Okay, Faraday. Now out on the porch with you. Right, Mike. Bill. Straight that beautiful body in that chair. Oh, thank you. Yes, hello, Lord Master. Well, here comes Betty and Don. Oh, hello. I'm sorry it was necessary to bother you. Don and I understand. I'm glad to help in any way, Mr. Shane. Thanks, Don. Come over here. Stand by me out of range. <laughs> Certainly, but... Uh, out of range? I don't understand. Now, what is all this rigmarole about in the middle of the night? There's nothing to get excited about, Oliver. I asked Miss Knight to call you downstairs for a conference. A conference? About what? About mysterious happenings around here but particularly about why Harrison had you investigated by a detective agency. Mr. Shane, what do you mean? I mean you've been cheating the Harrison Timber Company out of thousands of dollars. Oh, that's ridiculous. Why, Mr. Harrison trusted me implicitly. He did, until he finally caught up with you. That's why he was going to turn you over to Inspector Faraday today. I won't listen to this. There's no proof. There's plenty of proof, all written down in black and white. What's more, you knew Harrison had you dead the rights. That's why you poisoned him. You're mad. I never killed anyone. It's no use, Oliver. You're hooked like a fish. Oh, I didn't murder him. You can't pray. Mike, me. he's running. He's running towards that window. I'll oh, stop him. No, Don, no. Drop that gun. That's better. You knocked the gun out of my hand. You let Oliver get away. Oh, no, no. Here comes the inspector. And he's got our friend Oliver by the well-known collar. Oh, yeah, no. Mike squirming, but safe and sound. I didn't do it. I'm innocent. Take him in, Faraday. You've got enough on him to make it stick and stick hard. Yes, he's a dead duck. Oh, Mr. Shane, I can't believe Mr. Oliver would kill my father. But, uh... He didn't, Betty. What? Well, you just told the inspector to take him in. Sure, Don. I'm taking Oliver in for theft. But for Mr. Harris's murder, we'll take you. Me? Oh, wh- what are you saying? Sorry, Betty. Don wanted to marry you in the worst way. He married a couple of other girls with wealthy parents. Oh, Betty, don't listen to when him. When your father suddenly wired he was coming up, Don knew it was the showdown. That's ridiculous. Oh, no, no, no. You had a hunch Harrison engaged Miller to investigate It's him. a lie. You saw the telegram Mr. Harrison sent me just this afternoon. Sure, Don, sure you got a telegram. A telegram you sent to yourself. All you did was step over to the Northwood City, wait until the train pulled in, and then send that telegram to your own address and sign Harrison's name. Oh, nothing but lies. No, lies. no, 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 son. It's a fact, a fact that we can prove. Because you made a mistake, a bad mistake, Don. You saw the train pull into Northwood City and thought that Harrison was on it. But you didn't know that there were two sections of that train today and that Harrison was on the second section. You sent that telegram 
20 minutes before Harrison got there. Mike, hmm? you know it's wonderful to be getting back home, here by the Golden Gate. Oh, I like it. You know, honey, one of these days they're going to put up a statue for me. Right on Market Street. Well, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it at all. You're such a genius. <laughs> well, maybe not a genius, but quick with the answers. Mm. Speaking of answers, mm? is the couple you still owe me? Oh, please, honey, no more Now, questions. remember, remember, Mike, that statue to a genius? Okay, okay, shoot me the question. When did you know for sure that Don was the murderer? When we found Miller shot, of course. Why then? Don't you remember, honey, when we caught up with Miller sneaking back to the house from Harrison's private train, he said he would talk to the right person when it would do him the most good? Yeah, yeah, I thought he meant Faraday. Oh, no, no, no. Our blackmailing friend was talking right through us to the only other party there, which meant Don. He was throwing out a hint for a payoff. Well, of course I know, but how about... That's all, honey, please, that's all. Positively all. And hold on to your hat because I'm turning. Just a minute. This isn't the way to the office. You're turning into Golden Gate Park. Ha-ha! Is that bad? Tune in again next week at 8.30 for another adventure with Michael Shane, Private Detective, starring Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis, with Joe Forte as Inspector Faraday. Tonight's story was written by Richard DeGraff and based on the character created by Brett Halliday. Music was composed and directed by Bernard Katz. This is John Lang saying goodnight for the people who make 76 gasoline and Triton Motor Oil, Union Oil Company. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.